Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hi, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If you like to play golf, Magnolia Valley Golf Club is offering some specials this week. Give them a call up there at 727-847-2342. They have a 9-hole executive course, and they have an 18-hole par 72. And they've got great food on the 19th hole. So call my friend Pete at 727-847-2342. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. My name is Roger, sir. May I be of some help? That's funny. My name is Roger. Two Rogers don't make a right. <laughs> Roger, I have a problem. Yes. I've been in L.A. for three months now. I have money. I have taste. But I'm not on anybody's A-list, and Saturday night is the loneliest night of the week for me. Well, a Ferrari would certainly change that. Perhaps. Hmm. But, you know, this is the one. Yes. Yes, yes. I saw three of these parked outside the local Starbucks this morning, which tells me only one thing. There's too many self-indulgent wieners in this city with too much bloody money. Now, if I was driving a 1967 275 GTB 4 cam... You would not be a self-indulgent wiener, sir. You would be a connoisseur. Precisely. Champagne would fall from the heavens, doors would open, velvet ropes would par. I don't have one here. However, I do have one in the warehouse. Superb. What else do you have in the warehouse? I'm Lauren Fix, the car coach, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, welcome listeners. You tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and yes, I am your show host. What else do you have in the garage or warehouse, right? That's one of my favorite lines. Anyway, run your computers and Google, TabTalk1340.com. You can see us live here in the studio. And check out our Facebook page. Don't forget to give us a big like. If you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget. You can also go back to our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com. And check out our podcast page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, we're going to go right to an interview. i got a gentleman on the night who's a well-known automotive journalist. He's also a longtime radio show host with a number of automotive programs. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Bob Long. Bob, are you there? I sure am, Robert. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us a little bit about your humble beginnings in the world of cars and radio and journalism. And you were involved with Motor Trend, too, at one point, right? Yeah, Motor Trend for, for more than 10 years. But it all kind of goes back to, to growing up. I was always into cars from the time I was a little kid. I was subscribing to Motor Trend and Car and Driver and 
all the enthusiast magazines by the time I was 10 or so. Um, my parents, I was an only child, they they liked cars. They had a T-Bird was our family car, so growing up I had a uh, 68, the family did, a 68, a 71, a 73, a 79, 82, 85. Uh, and I used to hang around the uh, Ford dealership quite often, and a lot of the salesmen used to say, like, you want to know what's coming up, what's going to be new with cars, don't ask us, ask that kid. Because I read all the stuff and really soaked it up. But the thing that I've been very fortunate to to do, Robert, is kind of blend my two passions together. As you said, I'm a lifelong radio guy. I've been doing it since uh, the age of 17, so more than 30 years, and I've done music radio, I've done sports radio, but for the last 20, I've done talk radio, and in particular, I've been doing automotive radio. So it's been a melding of two passions. Jumping back to the Thunderbirds, the 67 or 68 and the 71, were those four-door cars by any chance? No, I wish they were, you know, collectible-wise, but no, all the ones that my parents had were coupes. But uh-huh. I do remember those four-door T-Birds, and nowadays those are worth some pretty decent money. Yeah, the suicide door cars, are, they're cool. And, and, you know, I'm very pleased that you're a Ford guy because I'm a Ford guy. So that makes me – you're right at home here. You're very welcome. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> very good. And so go ahead. As a journalist, I, yeah, just to give you an, an overview of some of my radio shows, I, I started a radio show um, called Auto World, which I still do today. I started it actually in 1992 on a network called Talk America Radio Networks, which uh, – I also was one of the founders of, and uh, that company got sold in 2002. But over the years, it's been on several different networks, and it's expanded from a a one-hour, once-a-week show to now, I do believe it or not, seven hours every week on the weekends of all automotive radio under the umbrella of Auto World. But before that, um, I've been doing Auto World all along, but I worked for Motor Trend for 10 years, uh, both as a uh, radio host, I was also a writer. I had a blog called Radioactive in like 2009, 2010, and I was a streaming TV host at a couple of events. So that was, you know, a, a real highlight being able to work for Motor Trend. I also worked with Barry McGuire, the car wax guy, on a radio version of his popular television show called Car Crazy. So I've done that show. I did a a show for about a year and a half underwritten by the Haggerty Insurance folks, which is called Inside Classic Cars. And uh, that was going really well until the the bean counters came in and uh, do the things that bean counters do in, in the troubled economy of a couple of years ago. And I've also done a program called Motor News Weekly, which is uh, kind of an offshoot of the Motor Trend uh, brand. So I've, I've been doing a lot of automotive radio, and, and writing-wise, I, uh, of course, wrote for Motor Trend. But as a freelance uh, writer here in 2014, I write for CarsDirect.com. I write for Edmunds.com. I wrote, write for a cigar magazine called Cigar Advisor. And I just was named the automotive editor of a really cool up-and-coming website called EpicTimes.com. Interesting. 
Interesting. Now, when you're doing these writings, is most of the stuff on contemporary cars, or is a lot of it vintage as well? Uh, for the most part, on contemporary cars. When I get a chance to write for the cigar magazine, that's when I get a chance to write about uh, classics. And when I was at Motor Trend, Motor Trend for uh, a number of years, at an off and on publication called Motor Trend Classic, I wrote for that as well. So. I have equal respect for both the classics as well as the uh, contemporary cars and love going to the Concours events and uh, visiting some of the uh, the great museums around the country. And, and certainly it's always fun just to go to a local car show and see what folks have got around here locally. What do you have in your stable? You got anything classic, anything cool? Before I was married, I did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I still have one. I have one remnant. Over the years, I've owned uh, a lot of Mustangs, and I've owned a couple of Corvettes. Um, I uh, we won't hold that against uh, you. No, don't. Definitely. <laughs> I, I have a friend that works for for Shelby, and he's the same way. Uh, you know, into all things Shelby, but he also has a, a soft spot in his heart for for Mustangs. So. Uh, right now, I, I still own a, a, a Corvette, dare I say it, uh, a 98 Corvette uh, that I bought new back in 1998. still has pretty low miles on it, and it's been tweaked out with some aftermarket exhaust and, and other upgrades. But uh, Mustang-wise, I, I had a 79 Mustang pace car that I kept for, for more than oh, 20 years. I've had... Uh, other Mustangs, uh, I had a, uh, a 65 Mustang, uh, I had a, a 68, I had a 69, I had a um, uh, GT500 um, from 69, and uh, I had one of the, the big ones there from the early 70s, I had a 73 Mach 1, but hardly the Mach 1s of, uh, of the late 60s. Well, interesting. Um, I'm a big Shelby fan. Now, you mentioned Shelby. Um, I was looking through some of the people that you've interviewed. I see you've had John Fitch on, which I really tried to get him on. Unfortunately, he passed away. Casey Kasem, that's kind of interesting. Is he in the cars? <laughs> uh, yeah, that picture that's on my website, boblongradio.com, uh, was taken actually in Casey's driveway. And being a lifelong radio guy, and I did spend my time in music radio in the beginning, you know, he was always one of my heroes. And um, through a, a friend who is also an automotive radio uh, uh, car host, he's uh, kind of a, a fix-it specialist. So I call it a dirty hand show because he's an ASC certified mechanic. He uh, uh, he knew where Casey lived, and uh, I, um, you know, called him up and told him who I was, and and um, he, I told him what I was driving, and uh, I went over to his house and got a chance to meet him in person and take a picture with that Plymouth Prowler, which uh, was a pretty low production vehicle, but the one that I had that particular day was tweaked extensively by the uh, Paxton Supercharger people and had a lot of custom features as well. But, yeah, he was definitely into cars. Well, that's super. And then uh, Gallagher? <laughs> <laughs> now, that had to have been a riot because he's a comedian. So tell us about that interview. 
Yeah, no, that's anytime you interview a comedian, it's it's always interesting, and uh, you know, I was afraid he was going to start smashing my radio equipment. That was my biggest fear, but uh, he behaved himself, and uh, you know, come to find out, he has a great passion for cars as well. Adam Carolla is another gentleman that I've interviewed a number of times, and he, of course, is a comedian and has uh, dabbled in both uh, television there with uh, Jimmy Kimmel on The Man Show and still as a writer on the present Kimmel Show and is kind of the king of, of podcasting. He's always a fun interview because he's he's a little bit crazy. And get me in the right mood, I can be a little bit crazy. So the two of us together can be quite dangerous. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun. And musicians are a lot of fun because I... Being a guy that loves, um, you know, kind of grew up with classic rock, 70s and 80s are my specialty, you know, to meet a lot of musicians who are into cars and to be become friends with them is, is just a dream come true. I'll tell you a story that uh, blew me away, and uh, it happened in the year 2000. I was not quite with, well, I was doing news on the Motor Trend radio show. I hadn't been named host of it yet, but I was the news guy and also the uh, substitute host. And uh, there was a Concord, and there still is, out on Rodeo Drive, and it was celebrating 100 years of uh, automobiles. They had one car from every year from 1900 to 2000, and they had celebrity judges, and Billy Gibbons was one of the judges. And I went up to him, you know, just trying to get a liner from him or just a brief interview, just, you know, I'm Billy Gibbons and, and you're listening to Auto World, something like that. But I had the shock of my life, and I still have it on record. I, I had a little mini-disc recorder back then, and I went up to him and I said, Mr. Gibbons, you know, I'm a syndicated radio host, Bob Long, and would you... Would you mind if I, you know, imposed on you for a few minutes for an interview? And he had a whole entourage with him, and he said in his Billy Gibbons voice, which I'll try and imitate, but it was like, man, you're Bob Long. I can't believe it. I listen to you all the time. <laughs> he said, really? Yeah, so I, I, I was known to Billy Gibbons, which was just shocking, and he has gone on to become a close friend of mine and, and quite an incredible automotive historian as well as musical historian and and a guy that uh, for ZZ Top's you know fame in the 80s came out of the the modified hot rod the eliminator which is in the rock and roll hall of fame and and Billy has got another amazing vehicle called the Cadzilla he's got a a Thunderbird called uh, Mexican Blackbird which is a ZZ Top song uh but he's he's into all kinds of customs and really knows his stuff. Do you also interviewed a couple of legends, uh, Jackie Stewart and John Fitch? Um, tell us about Jackie Stewart real quick. What was that like? Yeah, that was a real dream come true. I was on the launch of uh, a, a Jag product, the XJ, and I was with Motor Trend at the time. And you know, one thing being associated with a name like Motor Trend is. Uh, you tend to get a lot of respect when you go to these 
meetings of journalists and uh, new vehicles. And so I had the pleasure of driving with Jackie Stewart for, for half a day. He drove half the way and I drove half the way. And that was a little daunting, having Jackie Stewart sitting in the passenger seat, kind of critiquing my driving nonetheless. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, he was a you know a true gentleman and you know actually kind of shy which I didn't expect um, uh, but a, a really good guy and extraordinarily passionate about all things motorsports and you know he, he was a great broadcaster I remember him you know doing a lot of ABC stuff back in the day um, John Fitch was a regular as I was. Uh, most of the time, I, I'm a regular. I was going to say I just recently relocated to Florida after living my entire life in Boston. And there's a great Concord event in Connecticut, in Greenwich, Connecticut. And I always used to drive down there. And John Fitch was a fixture at that event. And he um, he was amazing. Uh, you know, I, I last saw him, uh, he didn't come last year. The year before, I saw him. And you know, he was a guy in his 90s, and he couldn't hear very well, but he loved being on the air because with headphones on, he could hear really good. And what a great storyteller and inventor. You know, he actually invented the things that we all take for granted on highways, these what they call Fitch barriers. You know, the like on a, on a major highway, you'll see these big uh, containers filled with water, which basically, if, if somebody's going to plow head-on into a guardrail, uh, he actually invented that, and he was just a really modest guy and just a wonderful storyteller about the early days of racing, and, and Mercedes in particular. Well, I think after the 1955 crash at Le Mans, because he was behind... Uh What's his name when he when he sailed into the um, grandstands there? He became a huge proponent of safety and racing. So there's a number of uh, uh, little inventions, I think, that he incorporated into the racing industry over the years. That is so true. And, you know, even into his 90s, you know, he was still uh, trying to invent things and, you know, constantly thinking and, and still driving. So... Uh, he, he was a wonderful man, and unfortunately, we lost him. Um, and uh, he's the kind of guy that I don't think you'll ever see anybody with a resume like him, somebody that was a uh, fighter pilot in World War II and actually, uh, you know, was bombing uh, Nazi Germany and then to turn around and be an American on the uh, on the Mercedes-Benz racing team in the 1950s, not that long after World War II. What a great story. Let me ask you a question. You, you also did an interview with Carol Shelby. Did you have him on once or twice, or how many times did you do an interviews with Carol? Probably ten times. Really? You know, I'm very, very fortunate. Um, I, I, I only had him on like you're having me on um, for, for a long period of time, maybe once or twice. Most of my encounters with Carol were at major events like the Detroit Auto Show, uh, North American International Auto Show, a.k.a. or the New York International Auto Show. And, uh, I, you know, he, he he was great. I have some wonderful sound bites uh, with Carol because Carol always spoke what was on his mind, whether you liked it or not. 
and he was very complimentary of my work. And I remember him saying, you know, Bob, you're one of the few guys in this business that actually knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so I'll always treasure that. And, uh, uh, you know, he, I, I remember the Ford GT supercar, which uh, was uh, unveiled for 2004, the 100th birthday of the Ford Motor Company was only produced there for a few years, but Carol had a major role in that. He was so proud of the uh, the latest rendition of the Shelby GT500. Uh, he was very proud of the uh, Shelby Eyes version of the Ford Focus ST as well. Uh, but yeah, very outspoken, and if there ever should be a movie made about somebody, somebody should make a movie about Carol. You know, it's funny you mention that, but I believe there's a guy in your town now, Orlando, uh, who I, I actually ran into him at uh, one of the festivals of speed events. I think he's talking about doing that. So I'll have to no put kidding. you guys, I'll put you in touch with him. Yeah, no, that would be great. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question. Who do you still want to get on your show? I mean, there's got to be some real serious legends out there that you'd love to interview yet, which is what I'm working on, too, because you want to get them before they uh, move on to the great racetrack in the sky. You're not kidding. Um, you know, who haven't I talked to that I'd love to talk to? Um, let's see. I, For whatever reason, I have never spoken to Lee Iacocca. I, that is somebody I would like to talk to just about the launch of uh, the original Mustang. Uh, that would certainly be a treat to get him on the show. Um, I also would like to get... Um, I've interviewed, so I've been very, very lucky to interview a, a, a lot of my bucket list, so so to speak. But um, um, Denise McCluggage is, a, is another person that I've I've never been able to do a long form interview. And I'm like you, I like to do you know thirty minute hour long interview. Uh, it, it it's to me it's 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 much better and and you learn a lot more about the person but Denise McCluggage is a really interesting lady and in the Motorsports Hall of Fame the Automotive Hall of Fame kind of a pioneer in in writing in automotive journalism and an incredible race car driver too so I would like to get Denise so I would say Denise and Lee Iacocca probably at the top of my list right now plus some of the racers I I've never interviewed uh, uh, Don Prudhomme and Tom McEwen and I haven't seen that movie yet, but uh, those guys would be a hoot to get on. As far as racing, are you a big racing fan? And if so, do you like road racing? Uh, do you like drag racing, uh, NASCAR? Uh, share that with us. Yeah, I, I respect all types of racing, and you know, I I I don't claim to be an expert in in any form, but I I, I think that. You know, I, I personally like drag racing. Personally, I also like road racing. Um, the NASCAR, I I don't follow as well as I should, but I certainly have a great respect for those guys. The Formula One folks, uh, you know, are I, I definitely have a lot of respect for the technology in Formula One, and um, yeah, I, I I follow it. But that's a whole world within itself, Robert. It really is, and requires a whole lot of attention and as i mentioned to uh, another gentleman that lives here in orlando stephen cole smith who writes for auto week uh he's my go-to guy when it comes to to motorsport stuff because he really knows it inside and out 
Weren't you doing a show out of Ocala there for a while in one of the stations up there? Um, yeah, I I definitely have been on a lot of radio stations in Florida over the years, um, and uh, you know, always get lots of wonderful response from Florida listeners. Uh, outside of California, you know, I don't think there's any better place for for car guys and girls in here in Florida. And I've noticed a, a lot of difference between living the, all of my life in the Northeast and in Boston in particular. When I was with Motor Trend, I continued to live in Boston, went back and forth to California quite often. But um, there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of customization that goes on down here in Florida that you don't see in the Northeast. And uh, there's a lot of uh, aftermarket wheels and, and people much like the people in California tend to to really take care of the uh, the finish on their vehicles and they're out washing and waxing them all the time which is which is great you know I love seeing that your your automotive background in other words when you do your shows do you have certain subject matter that you like to cover I mean like what's your forte so to speak well my show auto world is all-encompassing so I do everything from new cars to classic cars to uh, new automotive products to event coverage, whether it's Concours events, whether it's uh, uh, big automotive uh, shows, like I'll be going to the New York International Auto Show. That's one of the big four for journalists for new car introductions. But every week is kind of a, a potpourri of stuff. And I also like to interview authors and experts on various subjects. And I, I recently had Donald Farr on, who wrote the book about the uh, the Boss uh, 302 Mustang, both the the uh, the classic one and and the. Uh, the one that ran for a couple of years recently. So I like to talk to authors. I love to talk to the celebrities when you can get them on, which isn't an easy thing to do, especially to get them on live. But uh, I I also tap into some of my friends who are experts. There's a gentleman who's the collector card market editor for the Kelly Blue Book, Phil Skinner. I love to get him on and just open up the lines and have people call in and you know, either get a free estimate of value on their classic car or get advice if they're in the market for perhaps a, a first classic car, you know, what would be a good fit. Or if they want to torture themselves, and a lot of people do, they if they want to call up and say, you know, I owned a 1971 Hemi Cuda, how much would it be worth today? <laughs> I sold it for $3,500 in, in 1977. <laughs> so, and I love automotive stories. There's a gentleman, I don't know if you've ever interviewed Tom Cotter, who's written oh, yeah. a series of books. Yeah, barn I, I love hearing the, bar, the barn finds. And, mm-hmm. you know, stories, too, of, you know, like your dad's car, your granddad's car, um, any any car story because to me automobiles and and America are you know all all in one. It's America's love affair with the automobile and it's been going on for more than 125 years and continues to grow stronger. We just need to get a few more younger folks involved in the hobby. Well, you know they say baseball, apple pie, and Ford. You know, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, now, very good. Do you? Uh, what was your first car? 
Mustang. My first car actually was, I, I hate to say it, but uh, my first car was, or drum roll, uh, a 1977. So we're talking uh, Mustang, the much, uh, much not love Mustang 2, but it was a 302 V8. And it was cool in that it was black and it had uh, really. Uh, tricked out wheels, but, uh, you know, a 302 with a two barrel carburetor, I think it had 140 horsepower. You know, it was pretty lame. Even when Ford brought back the GT in 82, uh, it only had 157 horsepower. It's a far cry from what we had in the 60s and what we have nowadays. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because a gentleman I got coming on here in the next, uh, I don't know, week or two is uh, Jack Talnack. Jack Talnack was, uh, at one point, he was vice president of Ford, uh, the yeah. design program. And Jack, his big claim to fame, even though he started in the late 50s with Ford Motor Company, but he and he worked on the uh, Mustang, the original Pioneer uh, project, the 64-and-a-half car, but his big claim to fame was he brought the uh, 79 Mustang to fruition, the Fox Body car. So that's kind of cool. That'll be yeah. exciting. That would be great, and I owned the, the pace car version of that, again, with the 5-liter V8, and that was a great car, and really that Fox platform architecture ran until 2005. They, they did a significant upgrade in the mid-'90s, but truth be told, it was still running primarily on Fox stuff. What's your thoughts on the 05 Mustang? I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of, of the 05 to 09 Mustangs. I think that's a great car. Yeah, I love all the Mustangs from 05 up, I mean, they're ju- they're just wonderful. And and uh, what turned you off with the uh, the 2010s, the styling revisions, or yeah, a little bit the the back the the Toyota Silica look that they put on there. You know, remember 78, 79 Silica GTS? Yeah, they tried sure to, do. Yeah, they tried to emulate a Mustang, and that's kind of what they did on the on the new. Mu- Although the 2015 Mustang is stunning, it is. I haven't. I've seen it in Detroit. Hopefully I'll get to sit in it in New York. I can't wait for that, and uh, can't wait to get back on your show real soon. Well, I know you got to go because you got you're, you're uh, geared up to do another interview, and I want to thank you very much for tuning in. Our guest this afternoon, our first guest, uh, was Bob Long, syndicated uh, radio talk show host, automotive journalist. Great guy right here in our own backyard now. Welcome to Florida. By the way, i got your uh, lady friend coming on in a few minutes. i got Barbara Terry coming on. Hey, that sounds great. Thank so, you so much. But, uh, Bob, go ahead and plug your website one time, and then uh, I know we've got to let you go, and then uh, we'll catch you on uh, on a flip-flop here sometime. Sure. It's autoworldradio.com, www.autoworldradio.com. Thanks so much, Robert. Okay, take care. Thank you very much, Bob. Good luck to you. Okay, bye. Hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars. I think we're going to do a commercial break, and then we're going to throw something on the turn-em-up table. We're going to go around and around and around. we got a nice classic song coming up. And, of course, this past weekend, we had up at Crystal River with our good friend Artie and Frank uh, at soundstage.net. They put on this great concert up in Crystal River called the Crystal River Rib Fest. And of course, they had a number of bands there. But most importantly, Molly Hatchet was there. So let's go and play a cool Molly Hatchet song. You are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't go away. We have another guest coming on in a few minutes. And some updates. Take care, guys. Listen to my story. Life is getting stranger, baby, as I travel
This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Largo Road, near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Hey, we're back, and you tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, you know what's coming up this weekend? I forgot to mention it to Bob. Darn, I should have said something about that. But this weekend at Fantasy Flight in Orlando, well, they call it uh, Orlampa. I think that's what he calls it. That's his nickname for because it's halfway between Tampa and halfway between Orlando. And it's the uh, Mustangs and Mustangs event, and that's an annual festivity for all us Ford guys. In fact, they have... Uh, some real live Mustang P51s buzz around there, you know. I think a few years ago, Jack Roush actually brought one of his uh, P51s down there. But anyway, that is Saturday on the 5th. Sunday, of course, is Festivals of Speed. Excuse me, guys, I got a cough. I haven't got rid of this thing yet. It's still bugging me. <coughs> at any rate, Festivals of Speed, Sunday at the Vinoy Park. 
downtown St. Petersburg on the waterfront by the pier. That is going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, yours truly will be there. And I am one of the judges. So come down and uh, bring your car down there. Give me a call. I say give me a call. Contact us through our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, and I will get you in there. So at any rate, that's... uh, By the way, you know what we might do? We might do a radio giveaway. Do we have any of that radio giveaway music handy by any chance? And uh, I think it's time for our usual radio giveaway. I think I was a sleeping at the wheel. You've heard that expression before, sleeping at the wheel, you know, kind of like White Line Fever, that movie that uh, Jan Michael Vincent did back in the day. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have a radio show giveaway. Give us a call here at the studio, 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. And you will win a pair, multiple pairs of tickets, because I got tons of tickets, for Festivals of Speed this Sunday, downtown St. Petersburg, on the waterfront at the Vinoy. Again, the number is 727-441-3000. Okay, and what else is going on next month? It's April already. Next month, in a couple weeks, two weeks. The next weekend, I think, is the Bear Jackson down in West Palm Beach. So our good friends down there, that's Gary Bennett, Steve Davis, and uh, Craig Jackson. They got their annual <coughs> excuse me, auction going on in Bear Jackson. And there should be a ton of cars there. I think there's going to be close to 900 cars there this year. That's a lot. Um, somewhere between 800 and 900 cars. And they've got a pretty good mix. In fact, I think they've got a big, uh, GT, very, very low mileage production GT. GT40, Ford GT showing up there. And, of course, in April in Charlotte, since it's the we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of the Ford Mustang, April 14th. That's amazing. Um, and Charlotte Motor Speedway, the, uh, April 14th through the 20th, is a huge, huge car show, swap meet, big to-do. Ford Motor Company is going to be there with a big display. I think they're going to have another unveiling of the, of the brand-new Mustang. And also, simultaneously, if you're out west, I think they're doing the same thing in Las Vegas. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Also, something else that's a little uh, away from the car thing, if you notice in the last, uh, I don't know, four or five months, we've had some uh, celebrities in terms of musicians on a radio show that are car guys. So we've had uh, Dave Jenkins, who was kind of a car guy from Pablo Cruz. We had Greg Raleigh on last week, uh, founding member of Santana. And in a couple of weeks, we've got uh, Andy Powell coming on. Now, he is the one of the founding members and guitarist and lead vocalist for Wishbone Ash, another 60s, 70s band. So he will actually be here in St. Petersburg at the Ringside Cafe on April 18th, I believe. So, But check our calendar, the events page, at GulfstreamMotorsports.com, and all the info is there. And then in May, the Doobie Brothers are going to be here. So we're working on a possible interview with one of the uh, founding members of the Doobie Brothers. But anyway, I think we have a guest on the line. And uh, we're going to go to a little clip here real quick, a little turntable stuff, and uh, we will be right back. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. In fact, speaking of Santana, here is Hope You're Feeling Better by Santana, sung and performed by Greg Raleigh. This is a great song, by the way.
Plaza de Toros at Tijuana lies quietly in the afternoon sun. 125 miles to the north is metropolitan Los Angeles. To the south is Ensenada. And 900 miles of virtually empty wilderness to conquer before arriving at La Paz. Here at Tijuana, where Sunday afternoon crowds come to witness the moment of truth, modern-day conquistadores prepare their conquest against the rugged obstacles of the lower California peninsula. Their weapons for survival are spare gas, spare tires, extra parts, canned food, and aerial maps. Their metal steeds are in four classes. Stock cars, dune buggies, four-wheel drive vehicles, and motorcycles. It is a race, but the course resembles a cow path designed by the devil himself. One man said the roads in general are still as they were in the year one after the creation of the world. That was written 200 years ago by a Jesuit missionary. Since then, nothing has changed very much on the road to La Paz. The sun goes down, and at midnight, the ordeal begins. Vehicles in class rotation start at two-minute intervals. Two-wheel drive passenger cars and trucks. Standard four-wheel drive units and buggies. Modified and non-production vehicles of all types. And motorcycles. Acton Miller competed in the famous Mexican road races 15 years ago. Now, with co-pilot Ray Brock, publisher of Hot Rod Magazine, he faces a course so difficult that contestants count themselves lucky to just finish. Mary McGee and two other women take up the challenge of the road to La Paz. Nick Wilson and Ted Mangles know the Baja Peninsula as well as anyone can know it. George Hurst's much-publicized Baja boot was designed and built for this race. The first 64 miles are deceptively easy. A modern toll road from Tijuana to Ensenada speeds the racers on their way to a finish line where they will wait for dawn and a restart. The easy part is over. From here on, it will be a high-speed contest against fatigue, mechanical breakdowns, and a road that isn't really there at all. A total of 68 vehicles take the green flag, but how many finish? Well, that's another story. Hey, y'all, what do you get when you cross Suzanne Summers and Goldie Hahn? You get Linda Vaughn. And I'm listening to the Sound of Radio and Cars. Why don't you... Okay, we're back, and you're tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Thank you, Linda. Okay, it's time to introduce our next special guest for the evening. This lady is an automotive expert. She's a spokesperson. She's an author. She's an off-road racer, a show host, and a columnist. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening Barbara Terry. Barbara, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. So, I played that little clip on the Baja 1000 because you and I had had this little discussion earlier that you enjoy racing the Baja 1000. So, short of Parnelli Jones, who's been the only gentleman on this radio show that's talked about the Baja, you are the first lady that I know. You're going to tell us about your experiences on the Baja. Yeah, when I'm down in Baja, I don't see a lot of other ladies. Right. <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, it's pretty rough, but I love that clip that you had. That's, that's amazing. I like that. Super. Well, tell us a little bit about the the preparation and some of the things that you had to go through when, you, when you've when you raced down there over the past. Uh, well, first thing that pops in my mind is your physical preparation. Um, you know, I run every day. I stay in really good shape, but um, it, you, you really kind of have to get your body acclimated to... 
um, the heat. Um, and I really, I shut my workout room off. I, I turn the heater on, or if it's the middle of summertime, I'll uh, turn the AC off and uh, get used to that heat. And, and it really kind of um, emulates what you feel in the race car. I mean, when you take off in the mornings, it's always really cold. It's cold in the desert. and People don't really know that unless they're out there. But we start staging around 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, and uh, it's it's just been really cold, and you're in a vehicle without a windshield. Because you don't want a windshield in Baja. Um, you could, uh, you know, you could cut too many things off with all the stuff flying into your windshield. So there's no windshield. Um, there's no there's no glass anywhere in any of your vehicles. Um, but that's the first thing that comes to my mind is really um, trying to get your body acclimated to, uh, you know, that heat um, that goes on during the day. And you don't want to drink too much, but you don't want to, you know, drink drink too too little either um but it really is a lot of physical prep um and then the million details that go into preparing your team and your equipment um and no matter how prepared you think you are you are never prepared enough and i think every team will tell you that the what about the jarring i mean your body's got to go through a lot of that too because you're literally off road and you're bouncing around pretty seriously there aren't you yeah, you have um, you know special um, adjustable suspensions. You have a lot of money into your uh, equipment and your special racing suspensions. But still, with all of that, about every five seconds, typically, it's um, it's equivalent to the whiplash of a car accident, and um, you know it really does a number on your neck. And I just actually had to have my shoulder rebuilt. I had torn every tendon in in one of my shoulders. Um, I had two, um, you know kind of uh, bulging disc in my neck that I have therapy for every, you know, every week. Um, luckily, I knock on wood, I haven't had, you know, a lot of back problems. But, uh, you know, a lot of people like Rob McCachran and a lot of the, as I like to call them, the granddaddies of the sport. <laughs> um, I'm sure they don't like that. But, you know, they have, you know, they've been doing it all their life. And they have all these injuries. And um, it kind of re- reminds me of um, retired uh, cowboy, Dallas Cowboy player Earl Campbell. First time I met him, he was in his mid forties, but he walked like like a sixty, seventy year old man just from taking all those hits on the football field. Um, and you know, off road racing is probably the most brutal and definitely the most dangerous racing there is um, out there. How many hours a day are you in the car? You leave early in the morning, and then is it from dawn till dusk? Uh, with the one thousand, you pretty much have um, a little over forty hours to finish it. Um, you do have relief drivers, and so those relief drivers will hop in, um, really determining how how far you want to go. Whether you have a relief driver hop in three hours into it or six hours into it, um, you have scheduled pit stops in those staging areas where your crew will meet you at those pit stops, um, and they literally it's very different. Um, and, and it's really hard to explain unless you've been out there. But, you know, like NASCAR, you pull in, you've got your pit, you pull back out. It's not like that in the middle of the desert. Your crew has to basically kind of follow alongside you on a, on a freeway, even though you're out in the middle of the desert. They can't see you. You're, you know, talking um, via your um, your headphones but um, and all your electronic equipment. But they, they have to take the trace trucks off of the highway or what, well, I wouldn't really call it a highway. It's kind of like a, like a dirt road in Mexico. But <laughs> they have to um, meet you kind of, you know, in the middle of the desert at certain determined determined spots. I know it's really hard to explain, um, but, um, and yeah, so you can get out whenever you want, have a relief driver hop in. I like to stay in as long as I can. I'm, I'm typically good for about 
about six hours, and then I got to get out. Um, and um, then you know you follow you follow your car, and um, if it makes it that far, over fifty percent of the vehicles do not finish the race. Um, it's not only brutal on your body, but it's brutal on the equipment. Really brutal. What type of spares? Well, let me ask you this first. What kind of car do you use, or what kind of vehicle are you driving? Truck, a car, um, buggy buggy and um tires i've always um and it's funny because a lot of the guys will run like general tire or bfgs i've always run good years and i've never never had a flat where a lot of my buddies you know on the bfgs will have flats and you'll hear this and that and um, they used to make fun of me when i would show up with my good year mtrs but they they don't do it anymore <laughs> um i mean it's uh but there's there's different types of terrain. There's really sharp rock. There's boulders. There's straightaways. Um, there's silt, which um, I mean, if you're if you're not really good at driving in silt, you're going to get stuck. Luckily, I've never been stuck in silt somehow. I don't know how, but it's um, almost like really fine sand and almost kind of quick sandy, you know, at certain spots. So let me get this. So you drive basically like a rail buggy. Is that what it is? Am I, do I have that right? Um, yeah, nothing that you would like go to your sporting goods store and okay. buy. Nothing, nothing along the lines of that. Basically, it's about eighty thousand dollars in the equipment, so it's um, it's very um, pretty tech to um, the terrain. Um, again, the suspension is completely rebuilt. It's completely adjustable, you know, um, adjustable suspension. Um, all of the safety equipment is very expensive. Um, and you know, and then you have tubing. You have tubing completely encasing you, um, you know, with with it on the inside um, before the before the panels go on. And the panels are basically your your metal panels that you put all of your logos and stuff on, all your sponsor logos. Okay. So, and uh, what kind of power plant do you have in that uh, buggy? It's a Volkswagen engine. Um, oh, a Volkswagen most all buggy. Yeah, most Uh-oh. all buggy um, okay. classes actually run with a Volkswagen engine, and it's really cool too because there's a lot of locals that will enter the uh, south of the border races, like the 500, the 1000, um, and there's um, actually a, a Beetle, you know, like a Volkswagen Bug uh, like class within that series. You don't see a lot of that class um, north of the border races, but it's a lot. A lot of those guys will drive that. It's really cool to see, um, you know, families get involved. Oh, no kidding. Well, now, that being a Volkswagen, which obviously I'm assuming it's uh, air-cooled, right, unless you get some sort of uh, water injection on it or water cooling system on it, but I guess you don't need it, really. So the reliability of the Volkswagen and, then, of course, the lightweight, that ought to scoot you along pretty good, right? It does. Uh, I think the fastest, and you don't want to go too fast because at any given time, you know, well, that's what your navigator is supposed to do, but my navigator's actually almost killed us numerous times. <laughs> Um, they're supposed to be staring at this GPS screen. It's about 12 inches, and it's mounted right in front of him, like right where your normal, let's say, glove box would go. Um, and it has the course. You pre-program the course in that, so you can literally see if there's going to be a left turn coming up in 500 yards, that type of thing. Um, but you don't want to go too fast. I think the fastest I've, I've been is probably 65, 70. Um, you want to you want to really, number one, protect your equipment. You don't want to get it too hot out there. You don't want it to... Um, you know, be too hard on it because your chances are, chances odds are against you. You're not going to finish. Your equipment's not going to finish. Um, so, um, but you want to be safe. You want to not only, you know, you're not responsible for myself, but I'm responsible for our navigator um, and the crew. A lot of these guys, you know, don't get paid. They they volunteer, and that's pretty much the same with all teams. They spend, um, you know, a little bit of money on certain crew members, but most of these guys are volunteers. They spend their own money getting there and their own money on lodging and. Because it is such a 
such a thrilling, exhilarating um, process to be a part of. Well, I would imagine nutrition plays a uh, a big role in crossing the finish line. So where do you generally place when you compete? And then what class are you in? How many classes are there? Um, with the score, like, uh, uh, trying to think how many exact classes. There's truck classes, there's buggy classes, um, motorcycles. Um, you know, not like a Harley, but you're, mm-hmm. you're off-road guys, like, you know, championship, um, uh, rider Ricky Johnson. Um, now he's doing trophy trucks. Um, but I would say there's probably a total of, um, you know, maybe 12 classes oh, really? um, north of the border. Like, if you get into, like, the Best in the Desert series, series like that, there's probably um, probably about 12 classes. Yeah. Okay. And how many vehicles in your class, the buggy class? Uh, depending on if I race Scorelight versus um, Class 9, typically there's about maybe 20 um, Scorelight buggies. Or if I race um, Class 9, there's probably maybe six. Not oh. a lot. Um, class 9, it's kind of funny. I uh, Googled it one time. Somebody told me to Google it, and it was something along the lines, and I, I don't know if I can get this exactly correct, but <laughs> if, you've, um, if you're fearless and you've got kidneys of steel and <laughs> something, something, this is, this is the class for you. Because your kidneys, you know, you can wear a kidney belt. You can wear, you know, all of my safety gear is very high-tech, very expensive. You can wear all that. But your kidneys still get jarred around, so you're typically, um, uh, how do I put this? You're typically urinating blood, no matter what, um, and that's just that's a normal that's a normal thing to do. Well, I know I to say that right. No, that's okay because <laughs> I I know that because the guys that I know that offshore boat race when they're out there getting pounded mm-hmm. by the waves, they've got kidney belts uh-huh. and they've got to deal with the same thing. What kind of ground clearance does your uh, Volkswagen your uh, VW have? I'll call it VW buggy, whatever. <laughs> Exact ground clearance. That's a good question. Um, I mean, at the lowest point, maybe maybe fourteen inches, sixteen inches, wow. something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, in terms of reliability, so, I mean, it doesn't get much better than a Volkswagen. I understand that. That's kind of cool. Um, so, what was the big allure? What? No, 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 no. I'm a bug fan. I'm in an old vintage Porsche, air cooled Porsche. So, you know, I'm, I got a thing for bugs and Volkswagen. So, okay. and uh, <laughs> but anyway, so what was the big allure for you to get into off uh, off road racing? Because it's not something you really don't find a lot of women in uh, in in Baja racing. I mean, they're generally you know uh, road racing, maybe drag racing. You know, IndyCar, a few places like that, but uh, but but this is kind of cool. I, I I think that's kind of neat. So tell us a little bit what uh, how did you get involved in, uh, in buggy racing? My spokesperson career really took off in 2006, and I started doing a lot of TV and television commercials and hosting shows and all that. And within about a year of that, um, you, know, you get that much exposure, you, you're very fortunate, and you get a lot of offers. And one of the offers I got was to be a relief driver um, for the Baja 1000 race. had no idea what it was. Wow. Um, and uh, the guy was looking for a relief driver for his stock Ford, unmodified. So it wasn't <laughs> no adjustable suspension. It was stock three-quarter ton Ford truck. And, yes, there is a class for that in Baja. Um, and so he contacted me, um, and I said, yeah, I will, I will do that. I was in... Um, I was in Dubai uh, hosting an event wow. for a auto manufacturer, which was very nice of them bringing me um, to be the MC of that event. So it was very, a very glamorous, um, very um, 
uh, extensive type sand atmosphere, shall I, shall I say. Okay. Um, had to actually leave early, um, finished the event about midnight, got taken to the airport. About a day and a half later, it seemed like, I landed in San Diego. Um, I got picked up, taken down to Ensenada, and I literally got there about two hours before we rolled off the start line. Um, and a whole other sand atmosphere. <laughs> it's like, wow, I mean, is this what you get with it, like, with a day and a half? Actually, it really wasn't even a day and a half. It was like the next day. But um, um, as soon as I got there, I was told that the main driver didn't show, and I was going to start the race. Wow. I was like, oh, my God, I, had, I hadn't really had any sleep. I was tired. I was told, oh, yeah, 48 hours of this. And get in, and here, here, meet your navigator. And sorry, he doesn't speak much English. <laughs> like, oh my God. Okay, seriously. So, um, and of course, I've never been. I didn't do any pre-running. Your teams will go down there the week before, as you know, and they'll do pre-running, and they'll do more pre-running, and they will run that course, and they will look at that course. I just got there. Um, never been there. Um, and uh, so I hop in, and. Uh, and of course, we're we're going at it, and this was probably I don't know nine o'clock in the morning, maybe ten o'clock in the morning at the time we started, and we were looking for our pit stop about two in the morning. We were, I mean, we were just, we were just, but by that time, you're kind of hallucinating, like the middle of the desert. And they'll all say this: it really kind of does mind tricks on you, like a tumbleweed. I would see these tumbleweeds, but the tumbleweeds were literally people running at the truck. But they weren't people, they were tumbleweeds. But something about when you're out there and you're that sleep-deprived and it's in the middle of the night and, I mean, your mind really plays tricks. Um, and um, even my navigator, he he saw some stuff that wasn't going on. And so at 2 in the morning, we're trying to find our pit stop, knowing that our relief drivers were going to be there. Finally found the pit stop, no relief drivers. And the truck owner wasn't even there. <laughs> Um, and I thought, you, you, this is a nightmare. And, of course, you see all these teams with all these crew members and all these people. And it's like, oh, my goodness, where are our people? <laughs> what are we going to do? And, of course, both of us at that point were just were exhausted. Um, and uh, But we kept going and um, ended up breaking down um, Didn't and didn't have anybody to meet us to do repairs. And... I remember I looked at him and I said, you know what, I bet you think that I just cannot wait to get home, but I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to cross over the border. I'm going to stop in San Diego. I'm going to sleep for the night, and then I'm going to call my companies. And back then it was Shell and Fram and Prestone and Goodyear and Pennzoil and Quaker State, all these companies that I was a spokesperson for. And I called them all. I'm like, listen, I want to race Baja races. I want a buggy because I saw these buggies racing against, you know, you kind of buggy will fly by you and you're like, oh, I want one of those. Um, and all my companies hopped on board. I promised them that I would do a certain amount of TV and radio before each race. Um, and, um, yeah, from that point on, I just I got my own team and bought my own equipment and um, was addicted, completely addicted. Wow, that's um, a great story. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Neat. Barbara, we're just about out of time. We're up against the clock here. Um, would you be willing to come on again sometime? I had a ton of questions. I didn't even know we were going to go this direction, but it really was a great story. I truly enjoyed it, and you're the first person that really kind of went into the Baja thing. Would you be willing to do that sometime? 
Yeah, no, that would be great. And I'd like to talk about my publishing company that sure. I just launched. I um, just published Kenny Wallace's book. I'm getting ready to publish a book about James Brown, and I have a lot of other amazing authors that I'm publishing. And, yeah, I'd love to talk about what's really going on currently in my life, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Super. Go ahead and plug your uh, your website real quick, and then uh, we'll say goodbye here. One website, barbaraterry.com, and then my publishing website is waldorfpress.com. Okay, super. Hey, Barbara, thank you very much for coming on. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Be sure and tell your friends to tune in every week for the most legendary and fascinating names of motorsports. Don't forget to run to our website, golfstreammotorsports.com. If you've missed any of our past shows, you can see those and listen to those and hear those on our podcast, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget to befriend us, or I guess friend us, or like us on Facebook. Don't forget, this weekend, Festivals of Pete and St. Pete, Fantasy of Flight, Mustangs and Mustangs. Man, there's just a ton of stuff going on. Everybody stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, and we will see you at some of the car shows. I don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Day. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.